0: Behind the Knife, the surgery podcast. Relevant and engaging content designed to help you dominate the day.
1: Are you a passionate surgical educator with something to say? Then join Behind the Knife and let the world hear. Behind the Knife is the number one surgery podcast in the world, with each episode reaching 20,000 listeners. Our current group of subspecialty teams have created incredibly diverse and engaging content. But their commitments are nearly finished, and we want to open up the opportunity to all of our listeners. We're looking for teams of three to four surgeons who will develop one new subspecialty podcast every four months. To learn more, check out the show notes or contact us at hello at BehindTheKnife.org. Applications are due February 13th. Welcome back to Behind the Knife and Part 4 of our Dominate the Match series. We hope you've been enjoying the series so far and have found our tips and tricks helpful throughout the residency application and interview cycle. We hope everyone had a successful and fun interview season and that you're looking forward to the next part of the residency application process, ranking and matching. This was probably the most fun and yet the most anxiety producing part of this whole process for me. Today, we'll focus on pulling back the curtain and discussing how the match process actually works how you should approach your rank list in order to be successful, and couples matching for any of our physician couples out there. Once again, I'm Jessica Millar, PGY4 general surgery resident at the University of Michigan, and I'm so happy to be joined today by Dr. Charles Friel, colorectal surgeon and program director for the University of Virginia General Surgery Residency Program. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me. I've always been fascinated by the the uh, behind-the-knife series, so it's great to kind of be a part of it.
1: Let's start by jumping right into the match process. Now, there's a lot of acronyms like ERAS and NRMP. Are these two things the same?
0: Uh, they are not technically the same. Um, f- from your perspective, they probably feel like the same, but the actual NRMP is a nonprofit organization that really is the whole structure of the match. They're responsible for the match process. They've been in existence since the 50s, I believe. And ERAS is just a tool that is essentially a software tool that you will submit all of your application materials to. And so you will have to have two separate registration processes. You have to be aware of different dates and deadlines. So you have to see them as different things. But from the perspective of the applicant, they tend to kind of merge. But the NRMP really is the organization. ERAS is the is the application process. Mm-hmm.
1: And just like Dr. Friel said, you do have to register for the NRMP separately. The deadline was January 31st, but you can register late for a small fee if you forgot to do that. Now, I'm sure we've all heard about this Nobel Prize winning algorithm that's supposed to decide where we all match for residency. Can you explain a little bit more about how that process works?
0: Well, I think the, the the process, first of all, the process is supposed to be fair, and I, it, it is really fair. And it, and if you go back to the history, even into the 50s, where, um, so it was kind of a free-for-all, right? And so there was this, um, where they just literally were applying for jobs, but it was hundreds and hundreds and now thousands of people applying for jobs um, at one time. And so that process was... Um, problematic obviously because it was literally like people calling on the phone and they were offering spots on the phone and you had to kind of accept it or deny it immediately now that's really going back to the 50s and then it was uh there, you know this became a kind of a an economic type of problem and actually I had to research it myself but it was the, the stable marriage problem or something along those lines and it it is a common economic issue where there's a stable solution to these processes And there was a complicated algorithm that came out that essentially looks for the best match, assuming that we all, you know, the applicant makes a list, the program makes a list, and they all get merged. And, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of applicants, and they try to find the best match that ultimately, I think, takes the applicant in in, in favor here um, and tries to do it all in one day. And as you pointed out, that algorithm ultimately won the Nobel Prize, and I think it was in the 90s or something like that.
1: I think probably the most important thing for students to remember is that this algorithm is designed to be applicant proposing, which means it's really designed to help benefit the applicants. and place them into programs that are based on their rank list, not necessarily on a program's rank list. And if that sounds super confusing, the other thing I'd recommend is the NRMP has a great video called How the Match Algorithm Works. We'll be sure to link it in our show notes. I'm pretty sure I watched this about five times when I was going through this process and I found it weirdly comforting at this stage of the process. So if anyone else is feeling a lot of anxiety about how this works for some reason, that really kind of just answered a lot of questions and made me feel a little bit more comfortable.
0: You just need to understand that, you know, as you rank the places that you want to go to in the order that you want, that's really all you got to kind of focus on. um, And then that will optimize your outcome.
1: So when we're actually going through, when students are actually making their rank list, there's a couple of different things that can come up. And I think the one that oftentimes is the most anxiety provoking or confusing for students is post-interview communications. How should students be worried if they didn't hear anything from a program after their interview?
0: Absolutely not. Um, I, I think, you, you know, the process is we, we all do it a little bit differently, truthfully. And, um, you know, technically, I think if you go by the strict rules of the, of the matching process, we're not really supposed to communicate at all. Um, and some people take that a little bit more seriously than others, but I would not take any communication I- in a positive or negative way uh, too seriously, honestly. And it does not mean r- really anything um, and and vice versa as well. I mean, I it's, it's fine to communicate with programs, especially if you have questions or concerns or things you want to know about. Um, and we can get back to what, you, what we should do with your top program. Um, But I get lots of emails from lots of people, and I I do enjoy the communication back and forth, but I ultimately don't put a lot of value in it because I'm trying to find the best applicants, and you should be trying to find the best programs. So that's the way I would take it. Now, communication is still always good, um, but I don't think it's mandatory. Don't freak out if you don't hear from anybody.
1: I think that's probably the most important thing is radio silence doesn't necessarily mean good or bad things. You kind of hinted... You kind of hinted at sort of what my next question is, and that is: should students reach out to programs, or have faculty reach out to programs on their behalf for programs that they are really interested in?
0: Yeah, that that's always a good question. I get that a, a lot from my my students here at UVA that that I'm kind of advising or whatnot, and and I tell them you got one right, and it, it does. It shouldn't matter. In theory, it should not matter. Um, but the reality is that everybody likes to be liked, right? And that's a human—that's um, a human kind of reaction. So, and I think it is good for a program to know um, if it is your top choice. But you have to be honest, and and you're allowed to do that. We're not allowed to do that. If I were to go, hey, Jessica, you're my top choice, that would be a match violation. That is not allowed. Um, so it also don't be freaked out if you, if, if Jessica says to me, you know, UVA is my top choice, and I don't respond with, yeah, you're our top choice, because I can't say that. But you are allowed to say that. And I think that what happens is that programs tend to just look at your application a little bit different. If somebody says that, um, they might go back. My guess is if you're probably already higher on their list, but uh, but it, it will get a PD to kind of re-examine your application and rethink the process. It may or may not make a difference. It, it may not, but it does not hurt you to do that. But you have to be honest. You have to be upfront, and it can be one place. And the same with the faculty, too, because there's nothing more disappointing than someone telling me that they're their top choice. And they're in a position that I know they should match and they don't because that's really at your integrity then. So take it seriously when you say it's your top choice and, and then you should stand by it.
1: You sort of also hinted at my next question, which is, and this actually happened to me and it's a very uncomfortable situation. What happens if a student receives a phone call or an email from a program, maybe not necessarily saying that like, oh, you're our top choice, but asking that student, where are they on their rank list in a, for a particular program? Should they answer? Should they answer honestly?
0: Yeah, that's a tough situation to be in, right? Because um, because technically that type of communication is not okay, you know, bottom line. And program directors shouldn't do it. And they shouldn't put you in that position. And truthfully, if it was reported, I think there would there would be consequences. You know you can actually have match violations, and the match process can exclude you from the process in the future. Now, the issue is there's a huge power differential, right? So it is extraordinarily unlikely that a medical student is going to report a program, especially a program that they're interested in, to the to the match process. But I think you just kind of just politely say, you know, appreciate the feedback. Um, you know I'm glad you love my application really enjoyed your program I'm still in the process of trying to figure it all out haven't haven't made a decision yet Mm -hmm. but just kind of defer and deflect and don't get involved in that game because that's not a good game it's wrong quite frankly
1: (laughs) yeah it's it's a really and it happens too oftentimes they'll call you on the phone and so you're totally surprised by it. And you're probably not thinking, you know, totally clearly, because you're just shocked by the situation. But I think when it happened to me, I said something to the effect of what you said, which is like, Oh, I'm just still considering all my options haven't solidified my rank list yet. Thank you so much. I'm unsure at this time, and hung up the phone very quickly.
0: Right, right. And to be clear, I think, you know, I mean, I communicate with people I do. And I I do it oftentimes through email, I oftentimes do it through a letter format. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it is a process. I want to be cordial, too. And I want people uh, to enjoy their experience through us. But I think these 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 commu- types of communications we ask you to be specific about where someone is on the rank list is not okay. Mm-hmm. I, it is okay for people to say, hey, we really enjoyed meeting you. We think you'd be a great fit. Hope you're considering our program. Mm-hmm. I suspect you get lots of that stuff. Um, I get that as well we We talked about the number one place. I get a lot of emails that say I'm ranking you highly it's a it's a it's a polite compliment i I enjoy it, but it that has almost no impact. and I say thank you very much. We enjoyed meeting me to you as well but it but I, that means nothing to me, and it probably means very little to you guys as well. and that's okay. That's now we're just being polite human beings. Mm-hmm.
1: What if a student is told that they are quote ranked to match at a program? Should they change their rank list?
0: They should not change their rank list. First of all, that's that, that's that type of communication where they probably shouldn't be. It's not really an okay communication. That's what we're talking about a little bit. So, what do you do with that communication? I think there's a human reaction if somebody tells you that they, you know, enjoyed your you and they and they enjoy, and they are impressed by your record. Um, it's very easy to get kind of seduced by that to some extent, right? because it feels good. It feels good to be wanted, right? So I think you should look at it very seriously and just decide, does that communication, is it affecting my rank list because it feels good or because it's a good match? Now, if you really were kind of toying between two programs and somebody says that they're interested in you, sure, you can change your rank list, but as a general concept, you should rank the place that you want to go, if they really want you and and you're they're fifth on your list and you don't get one of your top four, you you should match them at the fifth because it, as we talked about it, it's applicant proposed. So hmm. you'll get there if it's meant to be.
1: Yeah. I think sometimes people try to cheat the system, but I think by cheating the system, you actually wind up hurting yourself. And I think if you just you, go f- with it with like, these are the programs I want, then it usually always works out better. Now, this is where you can probably help pull back the curtain a little bit. How exactly or when do programs make their rank list? How is that decided and when does that happen?
0: Well, we have the same deadlines, right? So the, the, the match list has to be certified. I think, it, I think it's March 1st this year, as I, as I recall. So there's a process where we, we literally input the um, list of people onto a spreadsheet through NRMP. And we can put that in at any time. Um, I think it's after February first or something. I can't remember the exact date, but it's it's not official until we hit the quote unquote certified button. And even truthfully, we can uncertify a list up until March first. You know, after midnight on March first or something, we cannot change it any longer. I think things have changed in this environment, in the virtual environment. I didn't, you know, look just talking about my curtain. You know, we usually got our match list kind of done in, in the, the kind of mid-February range. Um, maybe we'd make some small tweaks as we kind of thought about it towards the end, but just minor, minor tweaks. But in general, we were done by about mid-February. This year, it's it's very, very different, right? Um, and this has to do with the second look processes that, that we're now doing and the virtual format. Because this was, you know, most programs did all virtual interviews, um, some like ours are um are doing this quote unquote second look process? Um, ours is going to be in mid February, and um, it, it it is considered to be non evaluative. So so we have made a a pledge to our applicants that I'm going to have it done by January 31st, and that we're not going to change it, right? And that is so that people can feel free to come to a second look process, but don't feel obligated to uh, without you know Im- impacting their rank list. And a lot of programs have made that decision. So um, this is a new process. I think we're all going to try to figure it out um, just as the applicants are trying to figure it out. But I think that process is happening earlier. So truthfully, I'm advising my students here at UVA that if you've got a number one choice, you should be telling them now. So probably the
1: hardest part of this whole process, at least it was the hardest part for me, was actually putting all of the programs I interviewed at in order onto a solidified rank list. Do you have any advice for students on how they should start ordering their rank list?
0: Yeah, I think I think that you need to prioritize what your your professional and personal goals are. I mean that's the bottom line. And I have this conversation all the time. Depending on where you go and depending on what your professional goals are, this your training program is going to be a minimum of five years and it could be as many as seven or eight. Most students are, are kind of in the what, 23, 24, 25, probably 25 range, right, when they apply. And so if you add up the years, you're going to be 30, 31, 32 years old. And a lot of life happens during that time, a lot of life. For me, for example, I went to residency. Um, I was a little older, uh, not much, but about 20, 27, 28, you know, single, unmarried. And um, by the time I was done, I had met the woman I'm I'm now married to. Uh, She was pregnant with twins. Um, And so all of that happened because I was in a place where all that was allowed to happen. So um, you really, really, really need to take that into account. It's unlike college in my mind, where you're like 18 years old, you kind of go anywhere for four years. And, you know, it's kind of an experiment, or if you will, and you can kind of, you can endure if if it's that, or it could be a great experience. But but I think for this, um, you want all aspects of your life to to develop and to flourish. So you must take that into account. And that's going to affect your order of your list. The truth is that there are a lot of training programs out there. And I can guarantee you that you're going to learn to be a surgeon. They're going to train you to be a surgeon at virtually every single one of them. The question ultimately, is it going to fit not only your professional development, but also your personal goals? And that's how I would rank my order. I would not rank it on prestige and all these things like that. You can get lost in that. Rank them on how you see your per- your your whole your whole person developing over that time.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other piece of advice that I kind of would want to offer is that this is a very individualized process. So I remember when I was a student, I had classmates who had made massive spreadsheets and come up with these point systems or formulas, like help make their rank list. And it just seemed very overwhelming. And really, when I kind of reflected and I was thinking about, you know, where I wanted to go for residency, very similar to what you said, I It came down to where would I be the happiest? Some people, that decision might be more based off family, geography, finances. They're all valid ways to think and compare and rank programs. And so don't listen to what anybody else says is the best program. Like you said, there's a ton of great programs out there that will train you to be a wonderful surgeon. And so the best program is really the one that you're going to feel supported at and aligns with your values and goals. So don't worry about what anyone else thinks is the best.
0: And you do have to be thoughtful about the types of programs out there. I, I do think that um, there are some programs that are heavily academically oriented and some that are less so. And it's not a good or a bad thing, but it oftentimes it's the difference between five and seven years. So, you know, be thoughtful about that, too. Mm-hmm.
1: Should students put every single program that they interviewed at on their rank list?
0: You are more likely to to match. Um, first of all, the overwhelming majority of U.S. medical students match. So so that's the first thing you should you know be comforted by. And usually the people applying in surgery have already done a good job. So most of the people listening to this, I hope, will, will match. And you're, the odds of you matching go up considerably with the more places that you rank. So you should absolutely rank every place that you are willing to go to. Um, the only places that you should not match is if you'd rather not match than be in that place. Uh, and that could be for a variety of reasons, but uh, but absolutely rank them all. And just
1: as a reminder, your match results are binding. So if you match somewhere, you do have to go there. You certainly should rank as many programs as you can realistically see yourself going to. But if there's a program you'd absolutely not ever want to go to, then you might consider leaving it off your list.
0: Which, remember what you're saying is that I would rather not match than be mm-hmm. in that program. Yes,
1: and you absolutely. know there
0: there are some, there are some places that you might feel that way. So, but that's what you're saying when you don't leave put them on the match list.
1: Something else I just wanted to touch on really quick is something that I call the top of the list struggle. When there are a number of programs you really like figuring out who's your number one and who's your number two on your rank list can seem super challenging I think I changed my number one and my number two literally every day up until rank lists were due. And I remember I had an attending tell me that chances are these are both amazing programs and you'd be successful at either one. So just know that no matter which one you put first, you are still ranking a great program first. I needed to hear that, and I think that this top-of-the-list struggle causes a lot of students a lot of anxiety when really it should be exciting that you love two programs so much that no matter which one you match at, or if you match at either of them, you're going to be matching at a really great program. The one thing I will say, and we sort of already touched on this, don't ever change your number one because of what someone or some program tells you. It is still always in your best interest to rank the program you really enjoy first and not to try to game or beat the system. Now, let's move into a different topic, couples matching. I personally didn't go through couples matching when I was ranking, but I've watched enough friends to know that this can be a super confusing process. So can you explain to us what it is?
0: Yeah, the couples matching is, um, it it is different. It's different because in order to match, you both have to match, right? So and And it, so the algorithm, I think it's much more complex. I don't even think they use the same algorithm honestly. um but also the 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 combinations of you and your partner go up astronomically. And it's because you can match so you know if if the two of us were you know partners matching, for example, um you know we could both list you know UVA surgery and UVA orthopedics as number one. But then I could, my number two choice could be UVA surgery and your number two choice could be pediatrics, you know, in Washington or something like that. So there's all kinds of combinations. And I think a lot of times that lends itself to bigger cities, you know, where there's a lot of different options for people, including the, I don't want to, I, I would rather match this program and not be with my partner and that partner would be independent. So Um, You'd have to kind of carefully look at the process for the couples match and really be thoughtful about it. But it does make a lot of different combinations for the couple.
1: When I was researching this, I was completely overwhelmed by the amount of intricacies that there are in this process. But I think the biggest things I took away were that your rank lists are treated as paired ranks. So the match will only, it'll only establish a match if both partners are matched at a pair of ranked programs, which means that you need to create as many rank order combinations as possible in order to try to most effectively make that happen. And the other thing, it can take a long time. It's a very time-consuming process as far as like one partner must certify before the other partner. And if there's any duplications, it'll make you go back in and edit your list. And so overall, it can be a very time-consuming process and certainly not one you wanna be doing you know, an hour or two hours before the deadline. So don't wait until the last minute to submit your rank order list if couples matching is something that you're considering, because you may have to do quite a few edits based off of what the system finds in your rank order list, something Correct. that hopefully most of our s- listeners will not have to deal with, but something that we still get a lot of questions about is the soap process. Can you talk a little bit about what soap is?
0: Yeah, so soap was the um, essentially the replacement what we used to call the scramble. You know, there was just a, literally a scramble where we were calling people and people were calling us. And um, and it was the same process as we talked about in the early 50s, where we were asking people to make decisions like, oh, you, you tell me in the next 30 minutes or otherwise I want to interview somebody else. Um, and the NRMP realized that that was kind of a chaotic and probably not a fair process. And so the soap process was developed. Um, and essentially, it's a, it's a second match um and so first the first thing about it is you will find out i think it's the monday if the, if this is the week of the match the monday before the uh, of that week you will find out that you did not match um and that you'll be eligible for the soap process we then get access, you cannot communicate with us at all and uh, you know that always feels a little bit weird to me but it is what it is um and you can't even ask you, you know faculty to do it that's considered a violation as well uh, we get a um, another list of people that are in the SOAP process, and then we spend some time combing through the list, um, and then we can invite you for an interview, um, and then we can talk to you, and then we can have a communication. We, we frequently are in the SOAP process for the preliminary positions. Uh, fortunately, we're not so much for the categorical spots, um, and this process is oftentimes for the preliminary positions. So, if we have four preliminary positions, we can rank four people. and you can rank as many as you as as you want, um, as many as people that contact you. But we can only rank four. And then that algorithm plays out, they runs through an iteration, and then we find out do we match four people, or do we match two people or or three people? Um, the advantage to you is that you will get an offer. you will you will get an offer from a, a program. And And you may get multiple offers. um, and then you have a set time period where you have to either accept or decline that offer. Um so you can you can play it out a little bit and kind of see, you know, do I have other offers from other places that might be a better match for me? And then there'll be a a deadline where you have to make a decision. um and then and then that process just goes through, I think four iteration to, to to make sure that everybody finds a, a spot.
1: There's a lot of dates and times that, again, hopefully, most of you will never have to ever worry about. You'll get that email on Monday that says, Congratulations, you don't qualify for the SOAP process. But if you do, most of the time, there are, I know for us, it was our Dean of Students, you know, everyone would rush to his office and he would break down and explain this process and all the dates and all the times, which we will also include in our show notes for you. But again, hopefully, most people will not need that. The one thing I will say, though, is if you if you do get that email that says, hey, you've qualified for SOAP or you didn't match, it can feel like a huge failure. But I know some of the best attendings I've ever worked with and some of the best surgeons I've ever had the privilege of working with did not match their first time and went through the SOAP process and were prelims and rematched. So while well, it feels like a huge failure at the moment... Those are still some of the best surgeons I've ever gotten to, I've ever had the privilege of working with. So if it happens to you, know that you can still be very much okay and have a great future as a successful surgeon.
0: Yeah, and I'll I'll emphasize that as well. And I'm not going to mention names, but but I have residents in the process that didn't match that um, have won national awards and have had national recognition and have matched at all the best fellowships in the country and attendings. And um, I I wholeheartedly endorse what you just said.
1: So just a couple of important dates to keep in mind. Ranking opens February 1st at 12 p.m. So if you're listening to this episode, ranking has already opened. And rank lists are due March 1st by 9 p.m. So please, please, please do this early to avoid any sort of technology issues. You'll get that email on Monday, March 13th at 10 a.m. saying whether or not you've matched or if you qualify for SOAP. And then final match day results will be available at 12 p.m. on March 17th. Uh, One thing I will say is hide your phone if your school does a big ceremony so it doesn't spoil the surprise that NRMP will send you an email, um, which I had my family hold my phone because I didn't want to know before I opened up my envelope. Um, The last thing I'll say about match day, too, it is a super happy day for some people, and it can be a really, really big, heartbreaking day for others. So just be kind to everybody, including yourself if things don't work out the way you wanted them to, what you might've thought was your dream program. And that, you know, was your number one choice. If it turns out that you don't wind up matching there, remember there's a program that still ranked you high enough that you matched and they want you and you can still go on and be the best surgeon. And most of the time people who, classmates that I've had that were like oh man this wasn't my first choice they are super happy where they matched so just remember a match day can bring a whole flood of emotions and just be kind to yourself and you're still going to go on to be a very successful
0: surgeon I'm going to emphasize that point as well I've got my fifth choice you know and um Mm -hmm. you know it was a little bit it was a little bit kind of you know a lot of my friends were running around saying I got my first choice I got my first choice and I felt oh geez I got to go to my fifth and you know So it didn't feel great, but a hundred times out of a hundred, I would go back to the place that I went. It was meant to be.
1: I think those are all of the big questions I had. Is there anything else though that you really wanted to talk about or other things you think that students should really know that you think are important as far as the rank process, ranking, matching, this whole kind of weird process that we put medical students through?
0: I just think the the bottom line is that first of all, if you're, you know, this is a surgical podcast, so congratulations for t- deciding on a surgical career. You know, we are looking for the best and the brightest people to be uh, surgeons, uh, and we ex- we we want that to be a, a broad uh, spectrum of our, our of our population and uh, representative of the people we're going to treat. Um, and so, it is just exciting for me as a program director to see all the unbelievable applicants that are out there. Uh, and it encourages me um, that our future is bright, um, that I'm going to get taken care of by people like you uh, and colleagues um, like you and all the young people out there. And it's just exciting to see um, and enjoy it, right? Enjoy the process. Enjoy meeting each other on the on the interview trail because these are going to be your colleagues for the rest of your careers as well. And it's a stressful time. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, But you have done the work, you have set yourself up, you will be successful, and you will get good training. I am 100% sure of that.
1: With that, I really hope that all of the students out there have enjoyed this series this past year. And please, please reach out to us on our social media pages if you found it helpful or if you have any ideas or suggestions for next year. Thank you again to Dr. Friel for all your advice, and we're both wishing you all the best luck in the final stage of this residency application process. Until next time, dominate the match. Be sure to check out our website at www.behindthenife.org for more great content. You can also follow us on Twitter at Behind the Knife and Instagram at Behind the Knife Podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a review.